to Mad Yet Mighty. I'm your host, Megan Cipollone, and we are entering the final week of October. Can you even believe it? It's going to be Halloween this Saturday. It'll be my 29th birthday. Oh, crazy, crazy to even think about the fact that here I am in my life at this point, 29 years old, going to be 29 years old, and I have these, like, out-of-body experiences all the time where like I'll think back to when I was 17 or 16 or 15 and like thinking about what I was going to be like when I was like what am I going to be doing when I'm 30 or 29 like not even 30 yet let's not let's hold the gate I keep pushing there and I'm not there yet so give myself some time but yeah I always think back and it's just crazy how time flies and here we are at the end of October and entering into, I mean, fall is definitely here wherever you're listening from. I think this has been the first week where us Ohioans, Cincinnatians have officially started to experience fall, which is can be a very, um, can be terrifying a little bit <laughs> for some people. And we're going to get into that. But I, this week was the first week where, you know, we had three days in a row of cold, overcast, rainy, wet weather. And it really, um, besides that, you know, the, it's staying darker later in the mornings, which we're actually coming up to fall back. So the clocks are going to go back, which will give us a little bit more light in the morning, but will take that light away from us in the afternoon. And I think it's something that everyone is just like, you know, it, in a time where we're struggling to find, you know, those glimmers of light and um, those good moments and now we're heading towards we're heading towards what seems to be just a dark the the dark gloom. Yes, the holidays are coming up, um, which is a whole other story in itself, and those will be and look a lot different this year. But I think a topic that's on everyone's minds, it's on my mind, is holy crap, here we go. <laughs> I mean, I can really start to feel already that change in my body that change in my mood just because of the cold wet dark weather and yes it is something that wherever you live you know uh, us people in the midwest and the east and in those states kind of face it a little bit differently but everyone experiences winter even if you're living in some kind of warm climate you know they still have quote unquote their winter which is not winter (laughs) but So I think all of us humans together all know and experience the feeling of the, you know, people call them the winter blues, you can call them whatever, winter blues, seasonal depression, the yucks, just whatever it might be, whatever name, however you describe it, it is something that I think all of us humans go through, which is why I wanted to take some time and talk about this can be considered my my birthday episode since I've just been living. I know I've been celebrating. I have honestly haven't really been celebrating all month long at all. Um, I haven't even really like thought about the fact that it's my birthday. But I decided that I'm going to dedicate this episode or dedicate a little chunk of this episode to talk about a topic that um, I want to talk about and I want to give airspace to and I want to use the actual words and not something that, you know, lessens it or takes away what it is. But I'm going to take some time and 
because I feel like it's important to discuss seasonal depression and it's important to discuss seasonal affective disorder as it's you know medically known as I think it's hilarious and ironic that seasonal so seasonal affective disorder is the textbook name for seasonal depression and the fact that the acronym is sad is just (laughs) is the irony is not lost on me um but yeah like I was saying as we are starting to enter into this time where I know I've already felt a difference in my body, I've already felt a difference in my, um, in my rhythm and in my thought. And it's, it's something that's frustrating because not only is Mercury retrograding in Scorpio right now, and it is Scorpio season, I was excited to be in Scorpio season and to be in my birth season, but we are in this weird, it just, just climate, um, and what, whatever you believe, but retrograding is, it's just such a bizarre thing. I never know that we're retrograding until you know, I'm sitting and I'm reflecting and I'm just like, why am I feeling so like, why do things just feel really hard? And like, they felt really hard for a while, but like, it's like, okay, why are just, and then I always realize that, you know, I see somewhere that we're in, we're, we've begun retrograde and not only that, but we've begun retrograde in Scorpio, which Scorpio being my sign and being one of the most misunderstood signs, but at the core of it is one of the most just, um, deep and fluid and emotional signs so it's um it's a tough time that that being said wrapping that all up in a little bow here to to, to continue talking about to, t- to continue talking about seasonal depression what is it what does it mean is it something that it's made up or are people just saying that is it is it something that people use as a scapegoat you know I know some of these questions are probably questions that I you might have asked yourself or you know, somebody's might have asked you or you've heard, but it's, it's a legitimate thing. And it's something that I've, thank you, Carson, for making yourself known. We all know you're here. Love you tons. Um, so seasonal affective disorder or commonly known as sad, which once again, the fact that it's called sad is just, it's still beyond me. So it's, it's literally linked. So what happens is there, there starts to become a biochemical imbalance in the brain that is caused literally by the shorter daylight and the hours of daylight that we have in the winter fall starting in fall going into winter um our bodies they experience a change in our in our actual biological internal clock um we we experience changes in our circadian rhythm you know, we've, our, our bodies have gotten used to working and functioning away and seeing, and, and actually literally just coming down to the amount of sunlight that we have. I mean, it sounds so simplistic, but it's, it, it, it takes a bigger toll on us than we can ever imagine. Um, and it's, re- I mean, God, it, it happens so fast. I literally was just saying to myself, like, I, if I, I feel like three weeks ago, I was in a bathing suit, like on a river, ki- you know, kayaking and the sunshine and the warm weather and, now I'm literally wearing sweaters and, and, sh- and it's been cold and it's been wet and it's been dark. And um, I've started to experience feelings of just that kind of that kind of hopelessness kind of feeling. And, um, you know, even though like, you know, you're you're doing the same thing that you've been doing every day. You know, you haven't stopped, you know, working or your routines or working out or drinking your water or eating or whatever you might be doing to keep yourself afloat right now, but something has just changed. 
And that's exactly what's happening and what we're going to start experiencing. So talking about it, wanted to talk about it, wanted to bring it to attention because um, it's important to acknowledge and it's important to acknowledge that you're not going through something alone. So this starts to happen. You know, the sun, it's it's dark. We're not getting enough sun. Um our days actually shift, you know, at, like I was saying, it's sun in Cincinnati right now is not coming up until about eight in the morning. And then we're already starting to see, you know, seven o'clock where we're used to the sun, not even going down until like nine thirty or like nine, you know, it's pitch black at seven. We're about to fall back where it's going to be getting light probably around six thirty, Um, and then we're going to be getting darker and it's going to be around 4.30 and 5 when we're going to, when we're going to start to see pitch blackness. And this is something that's really scary for people. And especially for people who are working at home, um, whether or not you're living by yourself or if you're living with a significant other or friends, roommates, whatever family, but especially, um, God, I just, my heart goes out to anyone who is going to be going through this winter, working from home, living by themselves. Um, I'm somebody who is, that's, that's my exact situation. Thank God for my dog. But, um, you know, it's just, it's another level. So let's, by talking about it, I feel like it just, it just makes it better. It just makes it better. So how are some, so what are some things that like we can do? What are some things to do to start to combat this? Um, and I, I guess it's just like, it's, it's, it's something that's actually out of, our, out of our control. And it's, it's such, it's such a hard thing to like specifically describe. And it might feel different from Sally to David, like how they're, ex- how they're experiencing or what they might be feeling. Um, but I think just like the, like the commonality of it is is that like you're starting to feel you're starting to feel different you're starting to feel like that kind of humdrum you're kind of starting I always talk about it in a sense of color like I start to just even though like there might be color around me I always can describe it in a feeling of like I just feel like I'm not seeing color like I'm not seeing like I don't feel that that vibrantness I don't feel um it's just it's a feeling to me that's how I'm able to like describe it and pinpoint it And some of the ways that last winter that I really started to kind of take it by the horns and try to treat is, so some of the main ways that you can treat, and you know, I'm obviously not a doctor, but somebody who does experience seasonal depression and can talk about it just from personal experience. um, I actually went out, so there are some main ways. So main ways to really start fighting um, and getting yourself ready for these dark months is, um, picking up a vitamin D supplement and starting to actually take a vitamin D supplement that is at least 5,000 milligrams. And that is something that I was actually um, instructed to do by um, an internal medicinist who specializes in genetics and aging and just all of that. Um, But especially the people in the Midwest, we are vitamin D deficient and and vitamin D is just absolutely essential to making everything run correctly. Not only vitamin D, but, um, also picking up an, an omega supplement to really start helping that brain health. Um, I started hardcore taking those last winter. And, you know, those are something that you – supplements and vitamins are something that you incorporate into your life. And it might not be something where you're going to feel a difference right away, but it, it, it does. It's something that your body needs, and we need to give our body and feed it what it needs when we're not getting it. 
Um, so definitely two things that I can recommend that have worked for, you know, worked for me in the grand scheme of things. Um, another thing that is listed as an, as a, as a way that people can treat or not true, but can start to treat this, these feelings of, um, you know, seasonal depression is light therapy. And there are actual light boxes that you can buy online or you can purchase and they are an LED. They're like mega, mega bright. It's not just like a normal like lamp. It's extremely bright. It's a box. They come in all different shapes, you know, all different price points. And it sounds crazy, but you literally sit in front of this light lamp. And the second you turn it on, it literally does feel like you're sitting right in front of the sun. It's so bright. And you're, you know, at when I first started this, I was like, okay, is this really, is this really going to freaking do sitting in front of this light box really is going to change the way I feel. Not only do you feel it instantly, how good it feels just to sit in front of it, but actually using it over a span of time. I mean, what I would do is in the morning, I would set it up and I would sit in front of it as I was like getting ready for work. Like I would not only have my lights on, but I would sit that down and in my morning ritual as I'm getting, you know, my hair, my makeup or whatever, doing that. I would sit in front of this light and just have it shine and just have it shine on me. Um, and it gives the body back that really those high, it, it gives the body high doses of that bright, that bright light, which, you know, I'm not a scientist, but you can do your own research and you, it, it helps. It extremely helps. And actually, um, it is recommended by professionals to even start, if you're going to start using light therapy, to start using it like a couple of weeks prior to when really the seasons are starting to change to kind of get your body to kind of soften the blow of like the really quick change from like sunny and beautiful every day to just shit. Like it literally feels like it turned like that in Ohio, like sunny and beautiful every we've had this most beautiful summer beautiful summer sunny every day it's been warm which like I can take to literally it's crazy just how like the weather changed like to just overcast every day and you maybe get one day of sun it just blows my mind how a simple month can just change just change all of that um so yeah vitamin d supplements omega supplements um light therapy which my box broke from using it so much and I'm have ordered myself another one and I cannot wait to have that and just sit in front of it because it does feel so much better. Um, putting it at your desk. So for when, you know, it starts to get dark at freaking like it, it's some days when it's rainy and overcast and it's going to feel like it's dark at 3 p.m. You can flip on that your light therapy box and bam, just like feels so much better through the rest of your workday. And then, of course, you know, there's always going to be talk therapy and there's always going to be, you know, through speaking with a doctor and through um therapy there is also you know antidepressant medications that I know that that word scares people but um there is there should not be a stigma behind needing to be on medication for any kind of mental health I've been there I am on medications currently for you know anxiety and depression more so for sleeping I'm not taking an actual antidepressant because I am taking um certain supplements that once again recommended to me by a doctor um, who I did specific testing with to test um, my different neurotransmitter levels of actually producing serotonin and other things that the brain needs to just kind of balance itself out with stress. Um, I know it's, it's, it's all, it's crazy. There's a, there's a bunch behind it, but those are really some of the key 
key ways. So if, I guess, for anyone who's like, oh my God, how am I gonna, what, what, what can I do? You know, how, how can I prepare? And I think just even having that thought instead of just going into these months, I think that's the most important thing is going into these months. I know it sounds, I feel like it sounds so dumb, but like with, with a plan, I mean, I have, I'm definitely going to be sitting in front of my light therapy box. Now it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna take it away, but it's going to help. Um, and definitely keep taking my vitamin D and my omega and just pushing through and understanding that it's I think that's that's another thing at the core of it is like understanding and like telling yourself that it's not you that it's actually outside forces that are that are gonna happen that do affect our mood they really do it, it's even talking with people in my life you know in the last couple of weeks I've I've, I've heard a consistent theme that runs through everyone so and everyone's kind of touched on the fact that you know the mood has started to change feelings have started to change and I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that our feelings and moods are going to start to change and you know we're coming up to the end of this election godspeed man god get this get it out I don't want to hear about it I don't want to talk about it I'm so we are all so ready to be done with this bullshit and done with just this constant banging and of of views and decisiveness and weaponry of just every every opinion and everything and quarantine and this you know there's been so many there's been so many just walls and hardships and I think putting getting this election putting a book into this election so we can all just move on in whatever direction possible is just huge is just huge and I think especially if if there's I feel like I have the responsibility to say this too but if you if there's any feeling you know if you're if you're feeling like super severely depressed or if you're experiencing any kind of you know to say it you know suicidal thoughts please please reach out to somebody reach out to a doctor reach out to somebody who you feel safe with anyone um there's also the national suicide prevention lifeline at 800-273-TALK 800-273-8255. Um, there are resources out there, but I I just felt in my heart for my birthday, I've just felt like it was important that we take a couple of moments and we discuss something that is going to be happening and that I am going to also be going through as a human being. And I'm also going to be navigating my way through, um, you know, potentially a really difficult winter with what we're about to face with COVID and just with illness in general and um, you know holidays looking very different for a lot of people and I think we just have to continue to push forward as much as it's just things can suck and as much as it feels like we're experiencing blockages or hitting walls you know kind of reflecting I wanted to take some time to actually reflect on what it meant and what I wanted to do and coming up to this birthday and turning 29 and you know the past I really haven't had a lot of that actual time to kind of reflect back on this on this last year and like where I've you know where I've been and where I've come from I mean I'm and that's one of and that is one of the things that I want to work on 
going into my 29th year. You know, I want to be able to, to reflect on things that I've done and relish in them, relish in the good. I realized, um, I just started back school after being out of school for 10 years. Um, I was a college dropout. I did not, I did not, you know, take the normal track and graduate right after, um, right after high school. I went off and went to college in Chicago and was training to be an actor. I've been training to be an actor my entire life and came home for personal reasons and gave it a good old college shot two more times and stopped and just stopped going to school. I, I didn't have motivation. I didn't know what I want to do. I didn't understand like college. I didn't understand college. I didn't really see like why or how I just wasn't I was in such a crossroads at my life of losing my identity as being and being had always being an actor and being a theater kid and going for that and just really feeling kind of lost um, and just, you know, kind of picked up and started working and have just found my way and have worked my worked my way up. And um, but I kind of came to another point where I told myself that I wanted to go back to school. I wanted to do it after years of telling myself that I didn't need it or I didn't want it. Um, I, I, I can find a way without, I just, I, I came to like this, I had this realization that this is something that I want so, so bad and I want to prove to myself. And, you know, I have a really not great history with just like the edu- just like education system, you know, high school, I had some, I just had, ch- I just had challenges with certain people in the education system. Starting when I was really young, I was going to a Catholic school in the third grade and I, I remember getting explained in class what we were supposed to be, you know, what we were, I guess, doing and our, our assignments. And then, like, the teacher would go sit down at our desk, and then it was quiet, and then we were just working. It was a very interesting, you know, memories are foggy, but I just remember being in the third grade and sitting at my desk and really struggling and needing needing more help and needing more explanation and went up to my teacher's desk as, like, a timid little third grader and asked for a, more help and she verbatimly told me that she had already explained the directions and that I needed to go sit down. And that was like, I mean, I will never, ever forget that. I walked back to my desk humiliated. I walked back to my desk so scared and just didn't know like what, didn't know what to do and went home and told my mom and she pulled me out of that school so fast and put me into public school because the numbers were so different. So that was my first kind of not so positive experience with school and then um I I also feel like because I had because I was always interested in the performing arts and wanted to act and kind of set my sights on that I just knew at a very young age that's what I wanted to do I kind of checked out of school because I just didn't feel like I was smart enough I didn't feel like I always felt like it it just took more effort and um had once again had experiences in high school where twice where I had um you know once once it was my freshman year and then again my junior year you know freshman year I had one of my math teachers look at me at the end of school and just asked me what I wanted to do and I told her she goes oh okay well you don't need math so and then plopped me in failed me and then plopped me into like the slower math class and that completely defeated my confidence like 100% and then come again junior year sitting in chemistry my chemistry teacher was going around and it was towards the end of the year and they were giving recommendations for what where we were wanting to go you know the next year and she came to me and this wasn't private we were sitting at tables and you know she looked at me and she's like no I don't think 
what was the track? It was like physics and something else. She's like, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think either of those are for you. And I was like, okay, <laughs> here we go again. But at that point, it like wasn't shocking to me. I was like, okay, you know, whatever. Yeah, like I'm not, like I'm not this student. Like I've never considered myself like a, you know, smart like that. I always was like, oh yeah, like, and then like later in life, it turned into like, well, I'm street smart. I'm not book smart. And I'm like, well, that's not true. That's not true. I just feel like in some way, and I'm not trying to like play the bl- name blame your name blame game. And then also there were some other um, things that happened in my high school career where it um, really just put a damper on the in 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 my respect. Like I didn't, I had, I didn't respect the people. The education system failed me, not failed me, but like. I did not I did not have a good experience. School just was never a good experience for me. I just I never felt So that being said, here I am 10 years later, haven't been in a college course, don't couldn't even but it was something it was just different like I was just ready. I was ready to go back. I was it's it kind of always was like I, I'm not like I'm not dumb. Like I'm actually extremely smart and I want to prove to myself and I want to do that. So um yeah, so I've started going back, and honestly, the last two weeks, it's kind of where I've been. I've, I'm have i taking accelerated online courses, so I've been working on my final projects the last two weeks, and it's kind of pulled me away from this podcast, and, you know, there were some other blockages that was happening. There are times when I don't record this podcast just full and complete honest and transparency because that is what I try to live by, and I always try to be completely and transparent on this podcast. That was always my promise to myself. There are times... Not only, you know, was I busy the last two weeks with my finals, which I'm so excited for and finished this semester strong and, you know, shocking myself that I'm finishing my first semester back to school in 10 years with straight A's. I mean, it's such a huge accomplishment to me and it feels uncomfortable to say that because I'm so bad at congr- I'm so bad at relishing in the good, relishing in my good and knowing that I'm doing well and allowing myself to be proud of what I'm doing. It's something that I struggle with full-on birthday transparency honesty (laughs) I'm always constantly working on my confidence it's something that I will continue to always work for I feel like on this earth working on my confidence is something that my that my soul has done in many lives and it's something that I will continue to be one of those things that I have to work through in this life Um, so I went back to school I'm doing it for me. I'm going to finish. I want to take control of where I want to go in life. And this is the path that I feel like I'm going to take. And also on that path, I want to allow myself to relish in the good, to relish in what I'm doing. And I feel like we all should do that. We don't do that. It's so hard. It's so hard. But to actually, I feel, and it really hit me in the face when I was this past semester and getting the feedback that I've gotten from my instructors, which has has been nothing short of fantastic. But I feel like I read, I read constructive, great feedback and it goes in one ear and out the other. And then I'm just on to like the next thing that I have to do and have to be and And I just, I don't want to be like that. I want to be able to, it's important for me, it's important for any, for any of us to, To congratulate ourselves and to be proud of ourselves and to be proud of what we're doing and to 
be confident in that. At least, at least for me. So that's something that I'm taking into this next year. Something that I'm really, really, really going to put at the forefront is, am I being, am I giving myself a pat on the back when it is deserved? Like, am I really at moments just allowing myself to be like, you did a good job relax like relax like you're doing a great job like you're doing the best you can amidst all of the circumstances that life has to throw at us every single fucking day and I just feel like at times that is like the most excruciating thing to do and It's something that I am going to really focus on taking into this next year is really just allowing myself to look at myself and say, you know, you're doing a good job. And really hearing that, hearing that from me, like, I feel like sometimes you hear it from other people, you know, you might get compliments from other people and. I'm also terrible at taking compliments from other people. It's something that I like that, that just that whole category is something that I really just want to dive into. And it comes down at the end of the day, it comes down to confidence and that inner confidence and that inner security. And I will always be working on that. It will be something that I continue to work on and continue to talk about. So I wanted to have a mental health check, wanted to touch in, and we're going to get through it. We're going to get through this fall. We're going to get through this winter, and we're going to get through, and things will, things will be better, and there is, things will be better. <laughs> things will be better. Let's shift gears a little bit here, and let's start talking about some things that have been happening, especially The Bachelorette, which I have not been able to talk about. The Bachelorette, guys, man, oh man, oh man, what's some crazy, good old-fashioned crazy reality TV, and you can always trust and believe that The Bachelorette is going to do it for us. So Claire Crowley is our 39-year-old bachelorette, which they've made, I'm saying her age, because that is the one of the main leaders of this season. She is, to date, the oldest bachelorette, but honestly, I'm stand by it, all for it, was so excited to have somebody on the show who's 39 and who has not found her person yet. I think that there is a narrative, like, there is a there there needs to be more space for women who single women who are living their lives who are not in relationships and honestly it there it, i i feel like there's a lot of women out there you know in their late 20s and in their 30s and for and who like the story kind of just starts to leave us out you know everything's about like these like these like relationships and if you're not married like you're not this and that that's like just I've just really have enjoyed seeing a narrative that's just been different it's been somebody who has spent her life um you know and she's had traumas and she's talked about the you know abusive relationships in the past but really has come out to the fact that like she has really narrowed down what she wants and she's not going to be afraid to say it and she isn't she's she's just not going to fucking settle and you know what I'm all about not settling all about it um 
I'm still thinking it's this is going to be very fa- very fascinating because as we all know, if anyone who keeps up with any of the the rumor mill that she's not going to she she leaves the show. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But I mean, I feel like that's already out. If, if if you're first hearing this for me, then your head is definitely underneath a rock because it was released and I'm just waiting. I'm I'm waiting anxiously at watching the rest of this show because she who knows what happened is she, does she leave with dale you know does basically she's made this first off she's made this connection with dale you know in, in episode one we're all watching it and she says out loud i think i found my husband and then you can clearly just see that she is more interested in him and then the men start to see it in the next couple of episodes so we're gonna get a change and they're definitely bringing once again spoiler alert but this is also not spoiler is that we're we're at some point they're bringing Tasha in and I just cannot wait to watch the craziness unfold I do think that Yosef is I want to punch him in the face they're trying to pose him as like as like the villain and he everything that he's saying is just like this to me is just like disgusting and he's like trying to pick and pick out qualities of Claire that are actually her being outspoken and her standing up for what she wants and vocalizing what she wants and he's trying to like find ways to use that against her and to and to pose her in a negative light and I just think that whole like motive and narrative is disgusting and I cannot wait to watch I hope she verbally destroys him and kicks his ass I'm she one is gonna kick his ass off the show even though I think he's probably gonna leave in the next episode but um you know and just to say a two, a two cents about the whole naked dodgeball thing, for anyone who's like, mm, like, okay, one, yes, like, if it was women, that was, like, the whole thing. Like, if this was women, okay, but let me point this out to you. Those guys are not – you cannot be on camera without consent. These men have consented. And not only that, but when they were in the locker rooms getting ready for, so there's this, in, in the last episode, for anyone who's like, Megan, what the hell are you talking about? In the last episode of The Bachelorette, which aired last Tuesday, there was a second group date where all of the men who were involved were going to be playing a game of dodgeball. And then Claire said she wanted to up the, up the ante, which it wasn't Claire, it was production and it was the show, and they wanted to make it strip dodgeball so as the boys are getting dressed even before they're on the court before this you know they're getting dressed and they're like picking up jock straps which literally are like jock strap thongs and like little shorts and whatever and they play this game and the guys and they don't strip down naked they have these things they have their and they're blacked out but they're literally like blue and red thongs (laughs) jock strap thongs and at the end of the team, you know, once whoever gets down to their chalk strap thong loses. And then some of the guys started to strip those off. So that was completely on them. Um, so my whole final sense about that whole thing is like the guys can't can't be on without consent. And two, like, yes, is it is it like a double standard thing or whatever? Sure. But like, my God, people, this is literally like the bachelorette and it's so dumb and it's so not like, I just, the whole thing to me was, and then you have Yosef who's like, I'm going to tell her straight to her face that I had more respect for her until she humiliated me. I'm like, all right, bitch, just take a step and leave. 
I'm not going to lie. There's been a couple moments and uh, I had a conversation with a girlfriend who had the complete opposite <laughs> opinion, which I think is great. But there's been a couple moments where Claire's really inspired the shit out of me. I mean, with some of the lines that she's given to me because she's, you know, I am her audience because I am 29 and I am single and I am happy. Like, I'm okay with the fact and, like, I don't base my worth and my life, like, on my relationship or my relationship status because I think it's so much more than that. Um, just because I, you might have a relationship status doesn't mean that you're actually still going to feel good about yourself wholeheartedly. And I, whatever, that's, that's my journey and that's my right. But, um, she's really spoke to me. So I've enjoyed watching her. However, I do hear that, you know, she was difficult on set once things really started to sift in. So I just, and there were some things and then obviously, you know, leaving the show and this whole, so like this season is a shit show. But the message, I'm all about. I'm all about this message, and I cannot wait to keep watching. And it's gonna be quite. It's gonna be quite a show. Uh, this cannot wait for this Tuesday because I can't wait for her to scream to the camera, and that like I'm still I'm still single because I didn't settle for men like that. I'm like yeah, bitch, let's go. Say it for louder for the people in the back. Yes. So. That's the Bachelorette recap. I want to move on to some Mad Yet Mighty reviews for some shows, some movies that I watched. So in the light of spooky season, I wanted to try to find some new original spooky movies. And Amazon Prime did actually put out four new Blumhouse production thriller horrors for Halloween. And I did watch The Lie, which starred Joey King, who was in, who played Gypsy Rose in the act on Hulu and also was in Kissing Booth on Netflix. And Peter Skarsgård, who played her father and um he's in the movie that's coming off the top of my head that he was in is he played the dad in the orphan and he's been in some other stuff but I don't know he's not like my favorite of the actors out there I always kind of see him and I kind of giggle because he just always has like the same vibe in every role that he plays so premise of the story is um I'm totally and it's I'm just gonna I'm gonna use her real name but Joey King's character is being driven to this ballet recital by her dad and it's uh, they along the way see a friend who's waiting at the bus stop and they pick her up and they they all start driving to this ballet camp and then the girls um they have to stop the, the the friend has to go to the bathroom and they go off into the woods and then it's just this nightmare that ensues and joey king's character basically you know starts we start hearing her scream in the woods and then Peter Skarsgård you know runs out and she and where's where's the friend the friend's gone so it's 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 alluded to that the friend you know Joey King says to her dad like I I she's gone like she's gone like I pushed her they're like on this bridge over this stream and she's saying that she pushed her off the bridge and then it's literally from that moment it's like oh my god it's it's all about to me, it really came down to, like, really showing you, like, what parents, like, wh how to the ends of the earth of what parents will go to for their children. If your child came to you and said, Dad, like, I just pushed her, I pushed her off a bridge, I killed her. Like, what, what would you do? Um, so it's a pretty great premise to a movie. I will say there is a very large twist that I did not see coming in a million years so I was very 
very taken aback, very entertained. It's a pr- it's a pretty good it's a pretty good little thriller movie. So, um, The Lie, it's on Amazon Prime. I'm gonna go ahead and give it just in my spectrum. It 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 kept me on the edge of my seat. Joey King definitely knows how to play an obnoxious as shit little girl. Um, and I, I struggle and I go back and forth if I genuinely, I definitely think she's a talented actress. However, Gypsy Rose isn't really like Gypsy Rose in the act is like a character. She was more so a character than anything of like real. So I always kind of go back and forth with how I feel about Joey King when I see her and stuff. I did, of course, watch The Kissing Booth 1 and 2 on Netflix because I thought they were really cute. But I don't know. I'm in. Pr- I guess you could say I can be impressed with her, but at the same time, I'm I'm slightly annoyed when I watch her as well, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because she does always play and like she does always play kind of like this young, in, like immature character. So that's not really her, but like the characters that she plays, whatever. Really good. I'm gonna go ahead and give it a. I'm gonna give it a. I always feel like I, I can be a little loosey-goosey and then some, I mean, ch- it checked all the boxes. It was, it was thriller. It kept me, it kept me on my, kept me at the edge of my seat. I, there were literally points in the movie where I had to close, I had to cover my face. I was so uncomfortable and I was like, oh my God, this is the worst possible thing that could be ever happening right now. So because of that, because it did, I'm going to go ahead and get a, uh, give it a, I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5 stars. It, it was good. It was good. It, it was great. I think anyone who watches it will, will be highly entertained by it. Um, damn. Yeah. So it was a it was an all-around solid movie to watch if you're looking for something a little, you know, in that more genre. Let's talk about now The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, my God. I, I don't know what it is about these series. So the first season was The Haunted the, – The Haunting of Hill House – and it is a Netflix original, and they all are based off of, um, based off of a book, based off of a book series. So the first season I absolutely adored, um, loved, because I love that they're like these intricate ghost stories. I, they're not like super. Yes, they like the season one was really great, and the fact that it did a nice job of mixing really scary, scary elements like jump like jump scares and then also just like visually creepy um a lot of ghosts but there was something about the writing and there's something about the acting and this actual storytelling and the stories of these shows that are so intricate and also warm and just have these beautiful themes so going in the haunting of Bly Manor I've been waiting for this show and I was so excited um it's starring Victoria Pedretti and she's from season one she plays Nell in season one she also plays Love and You which seeing her blonde in this I was like oh my god that's where else we know her from she plays Love and You um Oliver Jackson Cohen who was also in the haunting of Hill House uh he played the brother with the drug addiction and then he was Adrian in the Invisible Man which I was like oh my god that's why he looks familiar too I think he is one of the most I think he is so sexy. I can't even begin to talk about it. And he's, he's has an accent in real life. So I'm like, okay, just double cross that. Once again, Haunting a Bly Manor, 
different from season one in the fact that it was a lot less um, jumps. I mean, a lot less jump scarier, a lot less of those scenes where I thought it was really cool. I forget the actual number, but in season one, there were so many ghosts in the background of scenes that like if you paid really close attention to, like you could see there was like over 20 something, I think, people in the background that they counted. There was some BuzzFeed article. Um, Also, the main like ghost you could quote I guess kind of say in season one was really terrifying so season two is very different um you know we're brought to our main character um who she's moved to England and is taking up this nanny she applies for this nannying gig um for these two children that live in this estate and gets the job, ends up, and meets the two children who also are accompanied by their gardener, um, their their chef, and then I guess I don't know what, what you would call Hannah, like what her role is just in general, like grounds, kind of just like an overall house, like groundskeeper, I guess. So, you know, the parents of the children die tragically and unexpectedly and then they're left just as orphan children in this huge house and this you know she Victoria uh, Pedretti's character comes in and you know lives there and starts to just be within this family and obviously things start happening you know the children are weird you know there's some the little boy I will say who I'm completely spacing on his character's name right now I was so impressed by his acting and so impressed by his character has these moments where he completely flips and he's like no longer like the little, is it Henry? Henry just seems like, like, like an English name. I was so impressed by him. Um, and just the really quick ways that he can flip from being really sweet to then just being really nasty. Um, and that whole thing was interesting. And I totally called that his whole, his whole background story. I absolutely, long story short, I absolutely love the show. Found myself way less scared. Even when the big climax came out, we we saw the like main ghost of the manor and like her whole story and background story. I think the thing that I like about these shows is there are so many layers and all of these people have stories and have like these backstories and they all come together. And I just think it's woven so beautifully. I don't know what it is, but I just have always loved... I just find myself gravitating towards the the show. I just think it's amazing. Top-notch acting um, all around from the entire cast. This season had an utterly, you know, season one was pretty heartbreaking too, but season two had just, to me at least, had such an utterly heartbreaking um, ending. And I think it was because I'm just, <laughs> I feel like I've been so much in my feels and anything that has to do with like a love story, I'm just all about but um yeah so I'm gonna go ahead I'm I mean I'm giving the haunting of Bly Manor I I loved it I have such a hard time giving things five out of five stars I just feel like it has to be everything encompassing but I did write down five out of five because I do think the show is absolutely great in the retrospective in comparison to season one I think I would give it four out of five just because I think season one is just so phenomenal Um, but definitely great. I know this is something that people were binging up, but if you haven't had the time and you want to have a little, you know, 
kind of spooky feeling. Highly recommended. Another really great uh, Halloween show, you know, Halloween kind of spooky show that came out on Netflix. Um, Ratchet starring Sarah Paulson, who we know from American Horror Story and The People vs. O.J., um, it was the most successful. There was a statistic that was amazing. It was like 48 million something viewers in like the first week or like 20 days or something. It was crazy. It was like the biggest, it was like the biggest season one release premiere that Netflix has ever had. Um, obviously it was very anticipated being that Ryan Murphy was involved and in producing and it was just going to be another, you know, beautiful crafted Ryan Murphy um, special. And that's exactly what it was. So found it interesting. I had no idea going in that the story was actually based off one flew over a cuckoo's nest, which I'm going to completely go on record and say, um, no, I have not seen that movie. And I want to see that movie. It's now on Netflix, but um, it's based off of the main nurse in that. So found that pretty cool and interesting. Obviously, Sarah Paulson is like a beast that you just can't even she is such an amazing dramatic actress and she has control over her motions on camera that are just the way that she cries on camera and the way that she can bring tears and, and, and not even like just sit and cry but she is such a strategic way to bring in tears and to bring in a tear she's so strong um in her delivery in whatever she does I just she is such an amazing chameleon and I think back to her season on American Horror Story Hotel actually where she wasn't even one of the main characters she was like that drugged out ghost druggie in in the hotel that somebody's character comes into contact with that was in, that was insane to me like her in that season was crazy she's it's a it's a really good show um it took a, it took me I think like episode one and two I was like oh but I'm like after two, three, I was like, okay, I'm in this. Um, obviously, some really dark themes as she's working as a nurse in a um, mental hospital. Back in the, what, what what are we talking? Like, was this 60s, 60s, 70s time frame that we're looking at? And um, there's a main serial killer, not serial killer, but a murderer on the loose. And we he gets admitted into this hospital and you know it's all about the relationship that unwinds between that we start to find out between Sarah Paulson um and Edward Tom is his name also played by another um familiar face that we know from American Horror Story so that's always nice we're always expected to see a couple from familiar faces um Cynthia Nixon it plays one of the main characters from Sex of the City it was really interesting to see her back in TV um, playing opposite of Mildred Ratchet, Sarah Paulson's character, her love interest as well. Uh, loved loved it. I'm obviously very intrigued. It was left off t- to be seen for a season two, so excited for that. The show was 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 a beautifully crafted show. So I'm gonna have to go ahead and give Netflix is just produces so much content, but at the same time, man, they produce some great shit. So another awesome dark dark twisted great acting Eh, great acting not from everyone there is characters in that show that drove me nuts the main doctor of the hospital he drove me nuts I, I he drove me nuts the entire time I don't know if he was directed to be that way if that's how he is naturally I, I wasn't really he didn't really do it for me um however I think I I enjoyed everyone else who was in the show and every obviously all the same feelings of Ryan Murphy shows that you get style wise um, from head to toe 
the costuming, the wigging, the makeup of this show was stunning. I mean, everything was just perfectly period. Everywhere you looked, it was beautiful. So I think that was another amazing element of the show. Um, so another great, I mean, highly, highly regard, great show from Netflix, Ratchet starring Sarah Paulson, highly recommend it. Um, jumping over to Hulu, which, you know, puts out some things here and there, but this show was actually, I had somebody recommend it to me, and then my brother recommended it to me, saying that it was just really good and I should watch it. So I took a day, nailed it down in a day, Normal People on Hulu, once again, based off of a best-selling book. It's a modern love story. Um, taking place in Ireland following our two main characters, Connell and Marianne, who find each other in high school. And it's their um, following their relationship over the span of high school and college. One of those stories where they find themselves together, then they find themselves apart, and then back together. So it's that heart-wrenching, just back and forth thrashing. It made me feel... And anymore, if there's something, if there's a show that I feel connected to and it makes me feel and it evokes emotion from me, I am absolutely sold. It was a phenomenal I, – and I know people are like, well, you know, there's always going to be the book people. Well, the book was better. You know, that's great. You can take your book. I haven't read the book. I've only seen the show. The acting, I thought, was incredible. It's um, Emmy-nominated as well, and it, rightfully so. The acting was credible. Actually, the main character who plays Marianne, um, she was actually just casted in Where the Crawdad Sings. So Reese Witherspoon's Where the Crawdad Sings, which is going to be great because she's, once again, dramatic acting, great. Honestly, I was so taken aback by Paul Mescal, who plays the, the main character, who the main guy, Connell. Not only the fact who I think I was taken aback by him because he was just one of the most <laughs> sexiest things I've ever seen, um, beautiful, beautiful eyes, beautiful voice, but he played such a, God, he just played this, this character who, you know, very smart, very articulate, and, but also one of those, like, ha like, feelings and kind of this, like, shy to himself guy who kind of this outsider I just I just loved it I loved every minute I mean their story was so painful to watch and so great like one of those things where it's just like the wrong it's the right person but the wrong time and how heartbreaking that is I mean this show broke my heart into pieces and especially coming out after I thought this was going to be a, a, a palate cleanser from Haunting of Bly Manor it was not <laughs> but such a beautiful show so if if I know it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea not everyone's signing up to watch a a modern love story that you know is gonna tug at the heartstrings but I mean it really is I I think it was it was a breath of fresh air um and you know not all love stories end the way that we want them to end and <laughs> that's life right that's life baby um super super loved it gonna give it a gonna give it a four out of five just because I I don't know why I mean five five I have I my grading system it was a great it was a great show great great show lastly I'm gonna leave it on this beautiful birthday note to myself it's like another nice little beautiful um entertainment announcement that I think was tied up and you know delivered to me as a beautiful birthday present in the month of October um Dexter is returning to Showtime for a revival season it's going to be a continuation of season eight. It's not going to be something brand new, new storyline. You know, reading about it, it was really interesting. It seems to be, you know, it, Dexter was one of the biggest shows. Dexter was a show that 
I started watching back. It was it began back when I was like in middle school. And Dexter was one of the first pieces of television that I started was really what got me into like loving television, loving the like loving the story, loving the just really being obsessed with like character development. And Michael C. Hall just did such a phenomenal everyone in that show, um, such a phenomenal job. So everyone was really upset with the ending of Dexter. It was to this date to history, one of the most upsetting ends of a show and I think I'm tired of being disappointed by fucking finales of shows you have an insane show for seasons and seasons and seasons and you writers are going to get into the writer room and just shit on a table and then deliver it to us I think this is the anger post anger coming out from Game of Thrones and I'm somebody who is like I'm such like a love like lover I'll be like well I love the show so I'm going to support it which like deep down inside like give us a freaking good ending they realized it I guess after some articles I read, like, Michael C. Hall was, like, visibly, like, not settled and not happy with the way that it ended. So we are getting a full nother season of Dexter, and we're going to get an ending that Michael C. Hall wants, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait. It was such a great, what an interesting show to take this guy, this villain, and have everyone just fall in love with him. A villain with a code, right? A villain with a moral, not even a villain, a bad guy with a moral code. Dexter is not the villain. I think anyone who would call Dexter a villain would people would probably be like, "Oh my god, how could you say that?" What a just insane concept. Serial killer who's working for a serial killer who kills serial killers working for the Miami Police Department um, in forensics. What a sick, awesome, brilliant storyline. And I'm so happy that we're all going to be able to experience that again. It makes me want to now that's a show that I have not watched in a while and I feel like that would be worthy of doing a nice refresher reboot before that's that new season comes out so excellent news there's not a lot about at it there's not I, that that I could find yet I don't even think they've started um, they've not even started filming so we will can we will keep our teeth sunk into that topic and I will be anything I hear I'm gonna keep my eyes on it so I will um, keep you updated for sure and I think that's gonna I think that's gonna cap everything for today. So thank you all. If you're still with me at this point, thank you so much for spending your time, um, your free time with me. And I wish you all a fantastic week. Have a happy Halloween, whatever you're going to be doing. If you're gonna be passing out candy, trick-or-treating with kids or family or going to a a party and whatever, living your life, sitting around a campfire, watching scary movies. Um, have a happy Halloween. Stay safe. Hang in there. And I will talk to you next time.